Welcome back to the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Mark. Before we jump into the content on this recording, just wanted to highlight a free resource at listenerscommentary.com. It's a free 30-page ebook that'll guide you in the five spheres of context for studying the Bible well, reading it well, as well as five key practices for putting the Bible into practice in your life. Totally free. So it is just called Bible and Life, uh, How to Hear and Heed the Bible. And so that's totally free at listenerscommentary.com. I think it's super valuable. Uh, if you're looking to dig more and more into the Bible, I think that resource can help you do that. So if you're interested in that, swing over to listenerscommentary.com and sign up for that free resource. All right, in this recording, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 6, verses 33 through 44. It is the well-known story of the feeding of the 5,000. And just to set that in context, Jesus had recently sent the 12 out on their own ministry tours. They went out two by two. They have now since regathered to Jesus, and they have debriefed with Jesus about everything they had done on their missionary tours, how they had preached, and how they had healed, and how they'd cast out demons. It's been a super busy season of ministry for Jesus, for the 12, and so Jesus plans for all of them to kind of take a break, get away and spend a little bit of time alone just kind of catching their breath and resting a bit. However, as they're beginning to head out into kind of a desolate area, uh, some crowds from the various towns actually see them and see where they're heading and they're sailing there while these crowds of people begin to flock there on shore, walking there. And the crowds actually get there about the same time or maybe even a little ahead of when Jesus and the 12 arrive. And so when they step out of the boat for their time away, here's a massive crowd of people. That's what sets up this story here in Mark chapter 6, verse 33 and following. Now, a couple other notes before we look at the details of the story. The first is that the feeding of the 5,000, this story, is the only miracle that is told in all four gospel accounts. Um, and that speaks to its significance and to its importance for the message about Jesus. The other little thing to note before we jump into the details is when we compare the details from all the accounts, we know that this story happened sometime in the spring. Here in Mark chapter 6, Mark 6, 39, it mentions the green grass. Well, that tells us we're in the springtime. Not only that, John 6, 4 tells us that Passover was near when this happened. And that means it's sometime in late March or early April. And in fact, many scholars actually suggest that this is probably about one year before Jesus' crucifixion. So we're a couple of years into his ministry at this point, and we're about a year out from his crucifixion, most likely. All right, with that bit of context then, let's jump into Mark chapter 6, verses 33 through 44, and the feeding of the 5,000. Here's what happens. Verse 33, the people saw them going. Remember, they've regathered and now they're going to get away. So the people saw them going and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. And so people running from the crowds telling them, hey, Jesus and his disciples are heading this way. And so they're gathering a crowd as they go through the various towns and they actually arrive at the place that Jesus and his disciples are heading. So, verse 34, when Jesus went ashore, 
he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. So this trip began as a getaway, a chance to rest from a busy season of ministry. Nevertheless, Jesus sees the crowd He's moved with compassion for them, and he wants to help them, so he begins to teach them. And the specific reason he's moved with compassion is because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that imagery is important. The imagery of sheep and shepherds is frequent in the Bible. For example, Israel's leaders in the Old Testament are frequently compared to shepherds. When Moses appoints Joshua to replace him, he says, so that the Lord's people will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. So Joshua is going to replace Moses as the leader of his people so he can shepherd them. So to be sheep without a shepherd means the people have no one guiding them and caring for them, no one leading them, particularly leading them according to God's ways. So here in this episode, they are so drawn to Jesus and his ministry in Galilee that now flocks of people, crowds of people are coming to Jesus and Mark describes them as sheep without a shepherd, which is really an indictment on the Jewish leadership of Jesus' day. Jesus sees them as not really leading God's people in God's ways. And there's been a history of this among Uh, the Israelites and among the Jews. In fact, Ezekiel 34, which is a really important passage for this text, and in some ways seems to be like some background to the way Mark has told this story here. In Ezekiel 34, God condemns Israel's leaders in those days, Ezekiel's days, which were the Old Testament time period, for being bad shepherds. Ezekiel 34 verse 2 says, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should the shepherds not feed the flock? And it's really a condemnation on Israel's leaders for caring for themselves at the expense of God's people in total. And the passage goes on in Ezekiel 34, picking up in verse 4 and says, Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back, nor have you searched for the loss. But with force and with violence, you have dominated them. They scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every animal of the field and scattered. My flock, God speaking, my flock, meaning the Israelites of Ezekiel's day, my flock strayed through all the mountains and on every high hill. And so God, through the prophet Ezekiel, condemns uh, the leaders of Israel in those, that time period. So God then continues through Ezekiel and says that at some point he himself, God himself will come and he will shepherd his sheep. And so as you keep reading in Ezekiel 34, picking up in verse 13, it says, uh, God speaking, I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing place will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in a good grazing place and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. And as I said, that is a very important background text to what happens here in Mark chapter 6 and the way Mark has told the story. So let's continue through what Mark says with this background in mind. 
And let's be aware that when the story here in Mark chapter 6 connects God's people being like sheep without a shepherd and then has Jesus feeding them on the hills of Galilee where there's lots of green grass, it actually deepens the meaning of this story. In other words, God, as he promised through Ezekiel, God is coming to shepherd his people in and through Jesus. And so here's Jesus with his disciples and this massive crowd of people. They've been now together all day and it's getting late. And so Mark continues the story in verse 35 and says, and when it was already late, his disciples came to him and said, this place is secluded and it's already late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And so the disciples come to Jesus. They, they're like, it's getting late in the day. Uh, there's a huge crowd of people. It's going to be dark before too long. We're exhausted. Send them away. They can go get themselves to eat. They need food. But, verse 37, Jesus answered and said, you give them something to eat. They have just returned from their ministry where God's kingdom power was demonstrated through their own actions, right? They were preaching and teaching, but they were also healing and casting out demons. And if they're going to lead God's people, well, then they need to know how to shepherd them. But how do you do that? And I think that's what Jesus is getting at when he says, you give them something to eat. He's still in this training them for ministry. It's still time for you to do ministry to shepherd God's people. You give them something to eat. They're like, how do we do that? And so they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give it to them to eat? I mean, that's a lot of money. 200 denarii, a denarius was uh, approximately about one day's wage. So 200 denarii is about 75%, 80% of a year's wage. That's a lot. And so they're like, should we do that? Surely that's not what you mean, is it, Jesus? But he, verse 38, said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. Like, how much bread do you have? Go see what you can find as far as food and supplies. So they went among the crowd, asking people if they had anything they could share so they could feed people. They didn't find much. Here's what they found. Verse, uh, the second half of verse 38. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. And so he ordered them all to recline by groups on the green grass, and they reclined in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now, John's account of this story tells us that these five loaves and two fish come from a young boy. So a young boy has brought a lunch of some sort, and it's got five round flatbread loaves and two small dried or smoked fish. And these were staples of the Galilean diet. So it's a young boy's lunch. He's got that. Jesus said, great, give me those. And then he ordered them to all recline by groups on the green grass. And so they're all going to lie down, sit down, and lay out on the green grass. Remember, Ezekiel talked about uh, reclining or lying down in a good grazing place. And so this may actually be a hint at, an allusion to Ezekiel 34, that they're going to lie down, recline on the green grass. Uh, where are they doing that? Well, they're doing that on the mountains of Israel in Galilee. And so they reclined in groups of 150s. 
And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, verse 41, and looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples again and again to set before them. And he divided the two fish among them all as well. Now, a couple little notes there. It says that Jesus looked towards heaven and blessed the food. But that phrase, the food, actually isn't in the original. It's been supplied by the translators. And while that's possible, um, it's actually probably more likely that it says he blessed. And if you're a Jew in the first century, when you blessed, that's a way of speaking of praising God and thanking God. And so it's probably more likely meaning he blessed God. Uh, which was the common way to give thanks for food. In fact, a standard Jewish prayer was, Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, who brings forth bread from the earth. And that's probably what we're, we should picture here in this moment. Jesus blessed God, thanking him for bread and for bringing forth food from the earth. And so he blesses the food, and then he begins to break the bread, and he begins to break the fish and give it to the disciples, and the disciples begin to pass it out to these groups of people who are reclining on the grass. Now, how long this all took? We don't know. But verse 42 says this, and they all ate and were satisfied. Like, there was more than enough. There was plenty. And maybe for some of these people, it had been a a long time since they'd eaten that much food. Like, they were all satisfied. In fact, there was so much food produced, verse 43 tells us, that they, meaning the disciples, picked up 12 baskets of the broken pieces of bread and of the fish. And Picture round, flat, basket-type things. That's probably what they were using to distribute the food with. Like, Jesus would break the, pray, bless the bread, break it on there, and he just kept putting it on the, the baskets. Well, when all was said and done, there were leftovers. In fact, there were 12 full baskets of the bread and fish. Like there was enough for the 12 and then some. And so the 12 who had worked all day distributing this food to these groups of people, they were cared for too. And how big of a crowd are we talking about? How many people were fed? Well, verse 44 says there were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. Notice that, 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. In other words, this is a major production of and a major distribution of food. Like, we're not talking just somehow making a little bit of food. Somehow Jesus took five loaves, two fish, produced enough food out of it that 5,000 men, not counting women and children, were fed. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people ate that day by the power of Jesus. These people who were like sheep without a shepherd, reclining in the green grass on the hills of Israel, they were shepherded and cared for by Jesus. Now, as we reflect on this story, Mark doesn't highlight all the themes and Old Testament connections that, say, the Apostle John does in his telling of the story. In John chapter 6, uh, John highlights the connections with Moses and the manna. He draws out the implication of Jesus being the true bread who comes down out of heaven. Mark doesn't really focus on that in the way he tells the story. So let's keep the big question of this section of the Gospel of Mark in mind. And that big question is, who is Jesus? And Mark has been exploring that through these first handful of chapters all the way up to the end of chapter 8. 
Well, what does this story tell us and answer that question? Who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the true shepherd of God's people. Jesus is the one who fulfills promises and prophecies about God coming to care for his people, God sending a good shepherd to watch over them. In fact, Isaiah chapter 40 verses 10 and 11 says this. It says, yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. And Jesus is the fulfillment of this. Or another one, Psalm 23, right? The well-known, probably the most well-known psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, just as these people lay down in green pastures here. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, right? He prepares a table before me. Psalm 23, Jesus is fulfilling these Old Testament themes. He's the good shepherd. He can and he does take care of his sheep so completely and so fully that there were 12 basketfuls left over afterwards. So who is Jesus? Well, this is who he is. He is the good shepherd. He is God himself coming to shepherd his people in and through the person of Jesus, just as Ezekiel had promised. Hey, it's John. Before leaving this teaching, I just wanted to say a huge shout out of thanks to those of you who make the listener's commentary possible by your generous and faithful support. The Listener's Commentary is a listener-supported Bible teaching project made possible by the generosity of folks just like you. So thanks a ton if you're one of our ministry partners. And if you're not, but you've been impacted in some way by the Listener's Commentary, would you consider becoming a ministry partner with us and supporting this ministry? You can sign up for a one-time or a recurring monthly donation at listenerscommentary.com slash give. Thanks a ton for your support.